Hello and welcome to the JNMP podcast. My name is Elizabeth Hyten and I'm joined today by Dr. Rebecca Ahmed, who's a consultant neurologist at the Brain and Mind Centre in Sydney. We're going to be talking about her recent review in the JNMP, looking at neuronal network disintegration and the common pathways that link neurodegenerative disease. So thanks very much for joining me today, Rebecca. Thanks for having me, Lee. To start off, I wondered, you know, traditionally speaking, the study of neurodegenerative disease has been via a clinical pathological approach. But your paper says that, you know, this approach can fail to recognise the heterogeneity of these conditions. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about this and and how this traditional view has had limited success? Of course. So basically, traditionally, we've looked at neurodegenerative diseases as taking a particular disease, for example, Alzheimer's disease, and then matching it to particular pathology in certain areas of the brain. So, for example, in Alzheimer's disease, we look for beta amyloid and tau deposition in classical areas, such as the temporal lobes and parietal cortex. Or, for example, in frontotemporal dementia, we look for the deposition of tau and TDP43 in the frontal lobes. But the problem with this approach is that it fails to see that a lot of these conditions actually cross over. So an example is um, patients with frontotemporal dementia can present with quite prominent behavioural features, but patients with what we traditionally call the Parkinsonian Plus syndrome, such as progressive cyclonuclear palsy and corticobasal syndrome, can also present with um, prominent behavioural and frontal symptoms early on in their disease course. And the reverse is that patients with frontotemporal dementia can also develop quite prominent extrapyramidal symptoms that uh, resemble a Parkinsonian plus syndrome. So we have these conditions that can often look the same early on. And it's only as the disease progresses or even an autopsy that we can actually tell them apart. Then it becomes even more complex when we look at a pathological level. Different pathologies can result in the same clinical syndrome. So, for example, um, as I mentioned before, both tau and TDP43 can result in uh, frontotemporal dementia. And if we take the example corticobasal syndrome, um, both um, CBD pathology and Alzheimer's disease pathology can result in this clinical syndrome. So that means we're left with kind of this crisscross of the same pathologies causing the same clinical symptoms and then different pathologies causing Uh, the same clinical symptoms and so it's quite confusing and this means we really haven't got to the bottom of how we classify patients and how we look at the underlying pathology and how these diseases progress which means we haven't been really able to target treatment and that's kind of limited how we can treat patients and how we can even diagnose them. So when thinking about the limitations of the traditional model and what you propose in your paper are looking examining neural networks, so what's the sort of key conceptual difference there? I mean, you touched upon it a little bit there, but if you could just expand on that for us. Yeah, so I mean, a key conceptual difference is a number of groups around the world have, provo- uh, have proposed this new concept called neural networks. And this is basically defined as a series of interconnected neural nodes that uh, determine physiological function and there are different levels of neural networks so there's the microscopic level which includes um, neurons and synapses then there's the macroscopic level which are anatomical regions and fibers and then there's what we call the functional level which is physiological connections and the concept of networks um, 
basically proposes that rather than specific brain areas being responsible for clinical symptoms, it's actually large-scale neural networks that, for example, are responsible for the symptoms that we see clinically in patients. And this, I guess, is a plausible explanation of how we might be able to explain why patients, for example, with frontotemporal dementia have frontal symptoms, while patients with PSP, for example, also have frontal symptoms, that rather than it being a specific brain area that's responsible for these functional symptoms, is actually a large-scale neural network that's involved. And so what we've done in the paper is looked at the phenotypic presentations in patients such as behavior, memory, uh, motor symptoms and metabolism and looked at what neural networks could explain these um, presentations across multiple neurodegenerative diseases. So I guess it's a different way of looking at it. Um, and then further on, that allows us to look at the pathology that might be resulting in these neural networks. So I suppose it's sort of a refocus of the, the shift, I suppose. Instead of looking at the diagnosis, often only defined at the post-mortem stage, um, you can, of course, then look at the overlapping phenotypes between the different syndromes. Have I sort of understood that correctly? Yeah, that's exactly right. So looking at how, what are the commonalities between these different uh, neurodegenerative conditions and how can they explain why some patients look the same but have very different underlying pathologies and how that might help us understand these diseases. If, I mean, if we take an example from your paper, um, so overlapping behavioural phenotypes, for example, and neurodegeneration, so what evidence is there for commonalities in these neural networks, in these conditions? Yeah, so um, the behavioural phenotype, there's a lot of evidence clinically for overlap. Um, so as I mentioned, um, frontotemporal dementia is classically defined um, one of the forms as behavioural symptoms. Um, there's a lot of evidence also from um, studies clinically of patients with progressive supranuclear palsy that they can also have a quite prominent early on frontal presentation. Um, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, also a lot of the patients can develop quite prominent behavioural symptoms. And also, um, we can commonly see in patients with Alzheimer's disease a frontal presentation. If we then look, so we've got the clinical the evidence in studies for an overlap, then if we look at um, the imaging, this is an emerging kind of area of research looking at neural networks that may control behaviour symptoms in uh, neurodegeneration. And this is being, I guess, pushed forward by advances in functional imaging and there are three basic um, networks involved. We talk about the salience network, the default mode network and the executive control network. And if we take, for example, frontotemporal dementia, there's a lot of evidence of involvement of the salience net network and this involves key structures such as the anterior cingulate, the insula and also some subcortical structures such as the amygdala and the thalamus. And there's evidence that um, changes in the salience network may be responsible for a lot of the behavioural symptoms that we see in frontotemporal dementia. And that kind of research is being pushed forward into other neurodegenerative diseases, but it's not quite there yet. Um, so there is evidence for neural network involvement, for example, in um, PSP and CBD, but they haven't matched it back to that behavioural network. And so that's one of the things where... I guess trying to promote by the review is looking at the phenotypic networks and how we might be able to um, promote research in those areas looking 
How do the networks match to the behavioral phenotype? How do they match to the memory phenotype? And further on, for example, if we take the metabolic phenotype, there's a lot of evidence in a number of neurodegenerative diseases for um, metabolic changes such as weight loss early on and changes in the hypothalamus, for example, in Huntington's disease and frontotemporal dementia and ALS. So looking at all of these diseases and how we can look for commonalities because I think that will really help us understand how neurodegeneration develops and how we might be able to treat it. Absolutely. And I mean, your paper touches on several of the phenotypes, including sort of cognitive, and, and you've just mentioned the behavioural and the um, metabolic as well. Um, your paper also explores the concept of molecular um, nexopathies, where the pathology correlates better with um, phenotypic networks rather than the clinical diagnostic syndromes. So could you tell us a little bit more about this as well? So um, molecular nexopathies has been proposed by a number of groups around the world, and this is basically looking at whether particular neural networks attacked by particular proteinopathies, um, so targeted by particular proteins. And one of the kind of key concepts that I guess has come along from molecular nexopathies is that the pathology in neurodegenerative diseases may spread in a prion-like manner. And so that's basically saying that um, the proteins may spread along the networks. And there is, again, limited evidence, but there is evidence suggesting in a number of the neurodegenerative diseases that um, there may be spread in a prion-like manner, for example, in TDP43, in amyloid, and in the um, synuclonopathies as evidence that there may be spread in a prion-like manner. And one of the kind of areas that this is being suggested in, in as well as in ALS, and it may explain the kind of clinical symptoms that we see in the patient. So the pathology may start, for example, in the motor cortex and then spread to the brain stem and the spinal cord and then eventually to the frontoparietal and temporal regions. And this may explain why patients with ALS clinically can start off with, I guess, pure motor symptoms and then as the disease progresses, develop behavioral changes and then in a number of um Patients also develop frontotemporal dementia and this kind of spreading pathology may explain that kind of clinical spectrum of disease. So when thinking about the things that you've just discussed with us and, and this sort of further understanding that your review is, um, is trying to promote in terms of the neural networks and the patterns of disease progression, how can this sort of potentially promote new treatment approaches? Yeah, I mean, I guess the key to this would be to work collaboratively. So there's lots of groups around the world that, for example, just look at FTD and just, for example, look at Parkinson's disease or just look at Alzheimer's disease. But if you look at the neurodegenerative diseases across, in a kind of phenotypic approach, you can see that there's actually commonalities across the diseases. And so we're promoting a collaborative approach where groups, you know, come together and look at multiple diseases at once and, for example, take one of these phenotypes. So you could take the behavioral phenotype and look at what evidence we have for involvement of networks on imaging and then on pathology. And that will really help us understand how these diseases develop. And then we can work at, if it, if the prion-like approach for pathological spread turns out to be true, then look at trialing drug treatments that can stop the pathology spreading along these networks. And I think that, I mean, a lot of the treatments that we've trialed in neurodegeneration, for example, in Alzheimer's disease, we start very late on in the disease process. 
And so one of the key things will be trying to get treatments that we can start early on. And so before they spread throughout these networks, and that will involve, you know, taking patients that are affected and also pre-symptomatic cohorts and looking at the network involvement and how we can stop the spread of the pathology. So it looks like it's sort of not only potential um, new drug treatments or approaches at least to um, drug treatments, but also just a reshift in the focus at a clinical level in terms of how people are approached within the clinic themselves and how they're sort of cared for from a phenotypic perspective as opposed to a diagnosis perspective. Is that? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely correct because, I mean, we also tend to sometimes divide our clinics up into, you know, a Parkinson's clinic, an FTD clinic, an ALS clinic, and often patients don't come with a diagnosis and say, this is my diagnosis. And so often it's having a collaborative approach, both at a clinical level and a research level across these diseases, that I think will be the key to trying to understand them. Definitely, and even just finding the commonalities between them as opposed to the distinctions between them. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Rebecca, um, and talking me through your paper. Great. Thanks for having me, Liz. No worries. So that was Dr. Rebecca Ahmed from the Brain and Mind Centre in Sydney, and we were just talking about her review that was published on the JNMP and is available for free download on jnmp.bmj.com. And thank you very much for joining us.